0: Christian Newscast Hello, I'm Tim White, and you're listening to the Premier Christian Newscast. As this podcast comes out, Franklin Graham is preparing for the final date of his UK evangelistic tour. The son of Billy Graham is following in his father's footsteps by speaking at a string of stadiums and huge venues across Britain as part of his God Loves You tour. But it almost never happened. Originally planned for 2020, just a few months before it was due to start, there was a backlash led by LGBT activists, which eventually saw all eight venues cancel Graham's bookings. Most cited his previous contentious remarks on gay marriage as justification. But after successful legal challenges against some of the venues, and having weathered the COVID lockdowns, Graham has been back touring Britain, preaching this summer. His last day at the Excel Arena in London is just two weeks away. But does the UK church actually want him back? Franklin Graham has long been a very contentious figure in the United States, having regularly come under fire for his frequent and robust forays into politics and the culture wars. In the aftermath of the September 11th attacks, he called Islam a very evil and wicked religion, and later appeared to flirt with the unfounded conspiracy theory that Barack Obama had once been a Muslim. He's also described homosexuality as an abomination and suggested Satan was behind campaigns for same-sex marriage. He was also a vocal supporter of Donald Trump's presidency, claiming that God showed up in the 2016 election and attacking evangelicals and others who raised concerns over the president's personal life. It was this history of controversy that prompted such a concerted and ultimately successful campaign to cancel his 2020 UK tour. But the stinging backlash has apparently left no impression on the pugnacious preacher who always insisted he would return and has proved true to his word with this summer's series of events. It's not just, however, LGBT activists who've asked him to stay away. Many Christian leaders, including some Anglican bishops, have said he is the wrong messenger for the gospel. Is Graham's brand of no-holds-barred American evangelicalism likely to find a hearing in our post-Christian country? Do big stadium evangelistic crusades even work anymore? Or should the UK church be standing up for his freedom of speech and resisting cancel culture, regardless of our personal views on his politics? Shortly we're going to be chatting through some of these issues with the evangelist Andy Bannister, but first let's hear from the man himself. A few weeks ago, Graham spoke with Premier's Marcus Jones at the famous Speaker's Corner in London about why he had returned to finish his aborted tour.
1: So I'm delighted to say that we are sat here in uh, Hyde Park in London, uh, just metres away from Speaker's Corner, um, the historic place for a debate. Um, Franklin, thank you so much for joining us here on Premier. Um, You're here for your UK tour. It's been uh, a long time coming. How does it feel to have it finally up and running?
2: Oh, it, it feels wonderful. You know, to the, the come out of COVID, and when we were planning this, the world, we did not dream that we would have a, a pandemic. I've never been in a pandemic. None of us have. I think 1918, the Spanish flu pandemic was the last great pandemic. And for the world to come out of that and for us to be here at this time, I think we're the first religious um, or Christian event uh, since the opening up after pan- the pandemic. And so... Uh, I think it's an historic time for us to be here. But yet with the, the opposition that we've had, uh, it's it's also an answer to a lot of prayers. So just not not just our prayers, but the prayers of Christians across this great nation.
1: Let's talk then about the, the tour. You've got four dates here in the UK. Um, let's go back to when you first announced the tours, pre-pandemic, um, and then all the venues canceled. Did you ever feel like this tour would never happen?
2: No, I, I knew that it would happen. Uh, it just, uh, it had to be God's timing. And of course, uh, the pandemic was coming. And so I think the Lord just shut the door. And so to be canceled like that um, was really, um, uh, it benefited us in the sense of the, just the publicity that it gave us where, um, I mean, you couldn't buy that kind of publicity. So uh, we're, I don't want to say thankful or grateful, but God used what they meant for bad. He, he's used it for good.
1: What would it have meant if the UK had become a place where Franklin Graham was no longer able to preach in public buildings?
2: Well, again, it's it's, first of all, the the opposition, uh, their criticism is a lie. They said, I'm a preacher of hate. Uh, And the reason they say I'm a preacher of hate, because I say that marriage is between a man and a woman, and it is. But what I do is I answer reporters' questions. Well, what do you think about gay marriage? Well, it's a sin. That's what the Bible calls it. Uh, And they say, well, you're offending a lot of people. I'm not offending them. But God's offending them because it's what God says. Um, But my my message is not against gay people or people that think differently or worship differently than us. Uh, My message is a message about love. It's about God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. My message is that if we confess our sins and repent and believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. Uh, This is a message of hope. I want people to know that regardless of their sins, no matter what they've done in life, uh, God will forgive them. But they have to come to him through Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the only one in history to take our sins. And he went to the cross and he shed his blood for our sins on a cross. He was buried for our sins. And on the third day, God raised him to life. Uh, This is our hope. This is the message that I preach. And I don't preach against individual people. I don't preach against groups of people. I don't preach against uh, anyone. But I want everyone to know that we're all sinners, but yet Christ died for our sins. You do have
1: critics within the church. A number of bishops have uh, spoken out against you. And I guess they would say that um, that, that message of hope um, can't be listened to because there's this barrier because of those comments. So the, the comments made about uh, gay people and uh, Muslims mean that those people will no longer listen to you. And therefore, that message becomes um, kind of invalid. It's, 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 it's kind of... Um, it's only going to be heard by people who want to, to hear from you. What, what do you respond when the the critics within the church kind of say that you, you've caused a problem for the, the church?
2: Well, we have over 4,000 churches uh, in the UK that are supporting us. Uh, we never expect to get 100% support of the churches. There's always critics within the church. Uh, there are always critics of the Lord Jesus Christ within the religious community. They're the ones that turned on him. Uh, and so I expect to have criticism. And... There are a lot of uh, churches that, that have compromised. And uh, and so I think we're all aware of that. Um, and uh, there's, there's division within the church. Uh, so I'm just going to preach what I believe is the gospel. And this is, there's, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, there's Holy Spirit-filled power In the gospel when you tell a person that they're a sinner you say well frankly you've offended them it's not made god Uh, if you tell a person that uh, they're a sinner and the penalty of sin is death that's that's the penalty the entire world is under a death sentence from god and people just well what hope is there and paul said i'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of god and when you tell someone that they're a sinner that the penalty of sin is death But yet God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, Uh, then there is power in that message. And you say, well, Frank, how do you explain it? I I can't explain it. All I know is that's what God uses. And He takes that message and He pierces a person's heart. And, uh, And for those that He's calling, when you give an invitation, those that He's calling will come. And when you preach, there'll be people with their arms crossed scowling at you and sitting next to, to a person with tears streaming down their face. I cannot explain it. All I know is God's calling one, He's not calling the other. And there's power in the Gospel. We don't need to be ashamed of it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. And why did he say that? Because there were people in his day who were ashamed to tell people that Jesus died and shed His blood on a cross, that He was buried and God raised Him to life. Uh, they were ashamed to say that because, they said, well, who's going to believe that? That's, that doesn't sound, you know, normal. Uh, that he would shed his blood and then come up out of the grave. But Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this, and this is what I preach. And and that's what Paul said, he was declaring, this is what I preach, and this is what I'm preaching, the same message. And uh, there will be many thousands of people that will put their faith and trust in Christ, and I'm excited about it.
1: It must feel like deja vu, though, with the the criticism. Um, This time round, we had uh, the the mayor of Liverpool saying that bus adverts for your events should be banned. That happens when you're in Blackpool. We've had politicians saying that, you know, you shouldn't be speaking in in buildings. That criticism must get to you sometimes, though. Do do, do you ever get tired um, of that?
2: Well, again, I think God uses it. uh, Again, we got a lot of free publicity. uh, And thank you, uh, Mr Mayor. and I know that uh, uh, Parliament in Wales uh, is saying the same thing, that I shouldn't be allowed to come, so forth. But uh, when my father first came back in the 40s, uh, they tried to, uh, the politicians tried to stop him from coming. They didn't want him to get off, at that time he came by boat. They didn't want him to get off the boat in Southampton. They wanted to uh, force him to turn around and go back. So uh, there's always opposition to the preaching of the Gospel, always if i had just a message of uh, of, about some nice uh make you feel good political kind of position people would say oh and that wonderfully so inclusive he's including everybody i'm including everybody right now god includes everybody whosoever will come and and that's the invitation is whosoever will come but you have to come god's way and that's through his son jesus christ there's not multiple ways to god there's only one way jesus said i'm the way the truth and the life no man comes to the Father but by me. So um, uh, there's power in the gospel. The, 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 the gospel does not need help. It's the same message 2,000 years ago it is today. It hasn't changed. And, uh, and for us as Christians, our, our marching orders is to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These are our marching orders. This is what we're to do. And we're not to be ashamed of it. We should just proclaim the gospel. We'll always have opposition. And I I would encourage Christians, don't be afraid of opposition. Uh, Paul was opposed. Jesus was opposed. Anybody who takes this message of God's love will be opposed. But that doesn't stop us from preaching.
1: I want to move on to something a little bit different. We're here at Speakers' Corner, um, historically a, a place of great debate between people of different religion, um, different thoughts. How important um, is that that we are able to have healthy debate between people who disagree with each other?
2: Well, that's been the the um, the hallmark of uh, Western democracies is is the fact that we have the freedom uh, to to have a debate, uh, to preach, uh, to give our views. And we're losing that in the West today. Uh, There is a a move uh, to prohibit uh, free speech. And uh, so it's the world in which we live. I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. And uh, if they ever made it illegal, I would still preach the gospel. I'm not going to back up. Um, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. I'm just going to say, God loves you. And uh, here's the truth. People don't want the truth. Uh, They want to believe a lie. But we have to warn people that there is a judgment. God is a God of love, but He's also a God of judgment. And we're going to have to stand before Him one day and give Him an account for our lives. And so I want to warn people uh, and tell them the truth. And yes, we're at Speaker's Corner. This is where, uh, for I don't know how many hundred years, there's been incredible debate right here. And much of it has been gospel preaching, right here this corner. Many people have been saved from hell right here on this corner, and so it's just—I'm glad we, you, you picked this as the place for this interview. I'm just thrilled to be here.
1: The Speaker's Corner has been a, a wonderful place, but last year we saw a, quite a dark incident where an evangelist was, was stabbed um, after having strong debates with um, uh, um, Muslims. How concerning is that when the, the opposition uh, doesn't just become uh, isn't just words; it becomes much more than that.
2: Well, we don't back up. And I would hope that uh, this, uh, this evangelist, whoever, um, that there would be an, an army of young evangelists who would come down and take their place uh, to preach the gospel. We cannot allow uh, one act of violence to stop the gospel. If anything, it should, it should be a recruiting tool uh, for other evangelists uh, to stand up and uh, where she shed her blood and, and stand up and take the gospel. Uh, to the next generation, and not be afraid and not be ashamed.
1: You're off to Wales this weekend, my homeland. Um, uh, Wales, just over 100 years ago, experienced revival.
2: Did.
1: Um, and the revival is still felt today. Um, but why are we not seeing revival today?
2: Well, the, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit that brings revival. So you can't, um, uh, you just can't turn it on like a light switch and turn it off. But I think uh, there are certain times in history where uh, God has used a certain event, a certain situation, uh, to bring revival. And I think that's the prayer of Christians all across this land, Lord, bring a revival. We need a revival in this nation. And that would be my hope and prayer, that uh, revival would come. But we're here to preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit will have to do the rest.
1: Have you had a sense of what God might want to say to the UK church at this time?
2: Oh, I would encourage the church to stand up and be bold in this world in which we live where there's so much compromise and so many secular voices. Uh, It's time for the church uh, to stand up and to take the gospel to this generation. This generation is, is, and you have so many millions that have moved here from other parts of the world. What an opportunity to present the gospel to them because many of the places where they came from, you cannot preach the gospel, but you can do it right here. And I would encourage the church to, to preach Christ, uh, dead, buried, risen, uh, who's coming back.
1: Fantastic. Um, your one uh, date into your your four-day tour, what, what are your hopes? You're going to be speaking to thousands of people uh, over the coming weeks. What, what are your hopes for what, what you might achieve or what, what God might achieve in this time?
2: Well, my, my prayer that there would be lives that would be changed, people would be saved from hell, uh, that another generation would see the the power of the gospel and would be motivated uh, to to take it to their communities. Uh, I want to see the church strengthened uh, when we leave this nation. We want to see it stronger than before we came. Premier Christian newscast.
3: Christian newscast.
0: So that's how Franklin Graham defends himself and his UK tour. But to dig a bit deeper into some of the questions thrown up by the American's return to Britain, I recently sat down with the British evangelist Andy Bannister, director of a group called Solas, to think through if Graham really is the wrong person to present the gospel here or whether he's actually been unfairly attacked. Um, so thanks so much for joining us, Andy. Uh, great to have you here. And Andy, you're the you're the director of SOLAS. Do you want to tell people a little bit about what that is and what that what you do?
3: Yeah. So SOLAS uh, is um, uh, an evangelism and training ministry. Tim uh, initially launched in Scotland, but now we cover the whole of the UK. And we really specialise in two things. Firstly, we take the gospel out of the four walls of churches, and we go very much into the public square. We love to help churches put on events in places like univers- in cafes, workplaces pubs we also do a lot of university evangelism and then the other half of the time we teach and we train christians how to share their faith more effectively more winsomely at work at home at school and so on so that's who we are brilliant um i'm really excited to talk to you because uh, about
0: this this topic of franklin graham's tour because you know you're a a full-time evangelist here in the uk have been for many years you've got a lot of experience of doing this um, off the top off the top. Then uh, are you kind of pleased to see Franklin Graham back doing his, his, his this tour, but after it was, it was canceled a few years ago before COVID.
3: Yeah. I, I suppose I've got mixed emotions uh, on the one hand, Tim, on the one hand, I think that occasionally, not always, but occasionally, you know, Americans coming over to the UK can be a bit tone deaf sometimes to the cultural differences. And the UK is a very different scene uh, mm. to, to the US. On the other hand, um the what happened to franklin before the way that i think some of the things he was accused of the way that uh he people tried to shut him down and there was obviously some court cases that came out of that that he quite rightly won quite frankly because i think the way he that he was treated was 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 amazing um so on, on the one hand I'm, I'm sort of pleased that he's come through that because i think when we were into an era where christians may have to occasionally fight a little bit more for our voice and so i think there was a good line in the sand uh tackled there and i think as well quite frankly some of the things he got accused of i think were frankly were frankly i'm gonna say franklin in a minute there's a, there's a play on words there we're, we're, un, were unfair so i've 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 sort of not in two minds but i've got mixed emotions um going on one thing i would say that's interesting when i was in I, before i moved to the uk i was in canada for six years and it was interesting with some of the we had went through the same kind of thing there because because he came and did a big tour uh, in canada about 2014-2015 and what I found really interesting observing that, and I'd love to know some of the, dem- the demographics here, a lot of the sort of more mainline denominations there poo-pooed it and said sort of slightly sneaky thing. In Canada, in Toronto, which is an incredibly multicultural city, vast amounts of the ethnic churches got on board. And they had this huge event uh, that was incredibly diverse. God worked through it in amazing ways. And I remember looking at it thinking, now that's interesting, because I was obviously a, you know, white, evangelical i'd have gone oh man you know the kind of big rally ship has sailed maybe it has for my demographic but they managed to pack out the i think it was the air canada center one of the biggest venues in toronto and it was full to the rafters um so maybe there's a lesson there that we need a variety of approaches uh, in today's context i, I don't know
0: yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, he's an intensely controversial figure, particularly in America, but it's kind of bleeding over uh, uh, um, into the culture war in here and, and clearly in Canada as well. Yes. F- made a string of very kind of contentious inflammatory comments, people would say on issues like gay marriage or, or Islam. What do you make of the argument that he's just not the right messenger for the gospel because of his
3: background, because of his kind of history of, of, of controversy? I suppose a couple of things there. I think, I think, yeah, some of the controversy that's attached because he's had a particularly American way of saying things. I suppose my only question mark, my only question mark to that, because it would be very easy to go, yeah, he's American, he's a bit tone deaf, quite frankly, we don't need him. My only challenge there would be, okay, so where's the equivalent? Where is the, Where are the folks in the UK willing to stand up to actually not be afraid of tackling some of these issues? Because um, I think some of the British church actually becomes so terrified of not wanting to get, you know, cancelled or the Twitter pile. On, we say absolutely nothing. Um, and so I suppose I get frustrated. You know, thinking, Is there not a happy medium here of finding, you know, some smart voices who are willing to stand up and, and, and stand up for what we believe, but do celebrate the way that more we'll wins? As I was saying that, of course, I was conscious that in terms of you know big events, of course, it was a, a year or two before. COVID, I think Jay John, who's a very well-known you know, evangelist here in the UK, he did quite, you know, a big stadium event, not the scale of perhaps the, the Billy Graham, you know, Franklin Graham stuff, but still, you know, showed you pack big events. So yeah, maybe, maybe the answer to UK Christians, if we attempt to get a bit snooty here, is go, okay, let's raise up our own men and women who can stand up and speak into that cultural space and do so in a way that's not afraid of the hot topics, but equally doesn't deliberately step on landmines. Mm. Because I think it's it's interesting that a lot of his—I mean,
0: obviously there's a lot of criticism from, um, you know, secular. I think it was a an LGBT activist group that managed to to get all the venues to cancel on him back in 2020. But it's interesting that it's not just people who you might expect would would, would object to a kind of historic, orthodox, conservative, evangelical approach to Christianity. But there's plenty of of you know bishops in the Church of England and other. Uh, kind of Christian figures here who who say it's not that we are theologically opposed to you but we're just kind of frustrated at how he appears to elide some kind of American conservative political cultural
3: stuff with with his faith. Although one of my questions there I just just I'm um, you know it's 33 degrees so I'm feeling a you know slightly more perhaps controversial with I normally would of going you know I know that you know, obviously some some Anglican bishops came up and said that stuff what well, was pointed out if you look if you look at the way, I mean, it's, it's only one issue, but there was an interesting survey done showing if you look at where Anglican bishops, are, you know, lined up on, say, Brexit, when the country was split, you know, 55-45, or was it 52-48? So right down the wire, all the Anglican bishops are up at the kind of remain end, which some commentators said does tell you that those who are Anglican bishops are potentially out of touch with some of the wider issues in society where perhaps there is more division. And I, again, feel slightly more comfortable if the Anglican Church, which often brides itself, and I you know attend an Anglican church. Um, the Anglican Church has brides being a broad umbrella, perhaps had a, a range of voices. I'd be more comfortable if there were perhaps a couple of bishops coming out going, Yeah, I got some questions, and another couple coming out going, Yeah, but here's the other perspective. Um, you know, it was pointed out that dear old Justin Welby, you know, for most of lockdown, just sounded like a branch of the government, you know, parroting health and safety advice and locking clergy out of their churches. And so if I was going to be a little bit controversial, I can be occasionally, I would say maybe the Anglican Church is not the best organization to be looking to right now with some of its struggles on how to engage the culture. And also, just like I said, in Toronto, I'd love to get, you know, hear what some of the You know, ethnic churches think about this. I'd love to hear what some Black church leaders think. What some, you know, uh, you know, Indian churches think. Uh, Last Sunday, I was preaching to a large Iranian church in London, in in translated into Farsi, and it was fantastic. They were young, they were missional, there was a confidence and energy there that was electric. And I would just be interested to see what are some of those communities feel, rather than assuming that it's the mainline, you know, older Anglican voices who represent Christianity here in the UK? Because I don't think that's the case, actually. Mm. For sure. I mean, it's definitely the kind of the vibrant, the dynamic,
0: the growing parts of the church here in this country. Absolutely. uh, You know, black majority churches, Pentecostal movements, um, as you say, kind of immigrant uh, founded and and driven churches rather. And it's the, the kind of pale, stale
1: uh um, white dominated <laughs> i know yeah someone speaking somebody who's
3: pale and stale and so are you yes um, indeed yeah and that maybe if they will turn around and go yeah we're the same we think there are issues here then then so be it but i i think yeah i'd love to hear a bit more christian diversity in 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 some of that uh some of that discussion not least because the other thing i found interesting you know we live in an interesting time in the uk don't we because at the same time that franklin's been getting in the neck because he holds to you know a, a biblical position on, on on marriage and if you hear what he he's said it's there's a couple of ways he's phrased things i would think are a bit american but basically he's holding to mainline orthodox christian sexual ethics and he gets shot at at the same time we've had our muslim friends and most muslims hold to a conservative sexual ethic, um, tend to get a free pass. There was the Birmingham schools protest, you know, a couple of years ago where, you know, I think a lot of, you know, the liberal establishment and they want to do. And of course, you've just had all the protests about the movie, the queen of heaven and to go, you know, a mainline, you know, cinema chain in the UK just folded in the same way that they wouldn't. I think if it had been Christians grumbling about things. And so I think it's also helpful to remind ourselves, we are not the only ones. Franklin is not the only one evangelical is not the only ones who hold to some of these, because actually we have fellow travelers here um, and it's, but it tends to be just Christians who get a, get in the neck on some of this. And also in the case of Franklin, there is this there is this slight anti-Americanism that runs through our culture at times. And I understand some of that. Some American culture can be quite plastic and quite crass, but not all of it. So let's make sure as Christians, know as well as extending the um, arm of fellowship to those who you know come from the indian subcontinent or african christians or others who look different to you or i how do we make sure we extend that to our american friends to our canadian friends um because they have a culture as well and um there is something about you know being a christian means finding that which we can celebrate in every culture as well as finding that that needs critique Mm. in every culture
0: yeah Uh, I mean, when when it's interesting when you when you listen to Franklin Graham's interview, he talks about how he sees the kind of cancellation two years ago as in kind of indicative or endemic of of, of, of a broader problem around freedom of speech. And you know, we all were aware of the kind of conversation around cancel culture and all that stuff. Do you think, regardless of our own personal views on Franklin? it was an attack on freedom of expression to shut him down two years ago. And therefore Christians need to stand up for this new tour simply just to say, you know, we draw a line on the sand and we say, actually we have rights. We have, we have freedom yeah. of speech. And it's not okay to try and intimidate Christians out of the,
3: out of public life. The only, yeah. The only thing I'd add to there is I think when we just shout, when we start shouting about our own rights, it can look quite soul centered. If we shout about rights in general, and particularly if we have the courage of our convictions to stand up for others, um, who you might not agree with, and actually, the person I thought who modelled this beautifully from memory when Franklin ran into trouble two years ago, one of the people who stood up for him was, of all people, Peter Tatchell. Now, Peter, if you know of Peter, you know there is a, you know, all, whatever labels you would like to use, you know, lip, atheist, liberal, progressive, gay rights activist. I, I, I did a, I did an interview with, um, with Peter for for Premier Radio. We did an unbelievable episode together. Peter is is astonishing. I've got a lot of time for Peter because he's consistent. And he has regularly stood up for Christians. He stood up for the, the bakers in the, in, the, in the Irish bakery thing saying, you know, this is not right. And I think Christians actually more things, take a leaf out of Peter Tatchell's book and go, yeah, absolutely. I think we need to get behind Franklin. But equally, if it's a Muslim friend or if it's a secular friend or organization getting shut down, we should be people who stand up for those, you know, whose voices are getting taken away. And the other piece here, Tim, I think it's crucial. That's the other side of the cancel culture piece as Christians, we need to be standing up for forgiveness because I think that is the virtue. Again, another ironically, another gay atheist who's made this point, Douglas Murray, uh, you know, the, who is a journalist and a political commentator. Douglas has written a lot about the, the absence of forgiveness in today's culture. In fact, it was Douglas, I think in his recent book quotes Friedrich Nietzsche, the 19th century atheist saying Nietzsche predicted a time would come when society had you know, thrown off belief in God largely But it actually would have held on to all that was judgmental about religion and would have forgotten everything in Christianity was about grace and forgiveness. And that's the age we live in now. It's not just the cancellation. It's the way that there's no way back once you've been cancelled. So I think as Christians, yeah, we need to be standing up for freedom of speech, but not just for ourselves. And then we need to be standing up for forgiveness for those who have got burnt by this. And again, not just from our own community. And I think it's an amazing opportunity for Christians here to be people who, who, who you know, we who, who we can the message we can be saying is we will stand up for your voice, and we will come alongside those who've been on the blunt end of the culture wars, no matter what you believe. Um, not just because we want, you know, a platform for ourselves.
0: One of the things that really fascinates me about this whole discussion with Franklin Graham is how different he has turned out to be from his dad. Mm. And, and as you probably know, Billy made quite a deliberate point throughout his yeah. decade ministry to, to avoid all kinds of kind of partisan culture war fights and just stuck to a very simple, yes. basic, historic, orthodox gospel message, which and as a result was kind of hugely effective at transcending politics. And um, we you know was, was was beloved and received by Democrats and Republicans alike and in many different countries. Do you have any insight or any thoughts yeah. about why Franklin has gone such, down such a different path?
3: Yeah and I, I think you you summarize Billy well I think I think I think Billy trod that path really really well and as you say that opened up opportunities for a couple of things I mean Franklin is not his dad and we, we shouldn't expect him to be. Right, it's a standard preacher's kid thing, isn't it? That we expect that either the son or the daughter to just be like the mum or the dad, and he is different. Um, so that's the, that's the first thing. Um, second thing I might just add would be that I wonder if Billy was alive today and was doing what he was doing, would he still fly through the council stuff or would people still try and shut him down? I don't know because if you know, if he was asked his view on marriage, you know, we live in an age where I think you can't get away from that that question you know anymore um it was really interesting that i was um I, d- I was doing a series of workshops this last easter for a large uh christian um festival it won't take people a lot of imagination to figure out which one it was and one of the things they asked me to speak on was sexuality and there was a bit of controversy kicked up and i'm someone who tries to avoid controversy i'm, I'm being slightly cheeky now but i generally try which is why i get the places i go but ran into this and then actually was told that they'd had you know, this problem with other speakers whenever this issue got touched on, because there are some who attend that festival who, who basically want them to go totally, you know, left wing and progressive and so on and so forth. But one of the organizers of the conference, as we were chatting afterwards, said to me something interesting. He said, you know, we've tried to avoid the sexuality issue for years. We've tried to just avoid it, not talk about it and assuming it will avoid us and we can we can just ride around. He said, I think we live in an age where that's not possible any longer no matter how hard you try to be winsome and i think we are in that age so yeah while i would say if i had chance of a coffee or a beer or whatever with franklin i and you know he asked me for advice such as it is i would say maybe just tone some things down a little bit and and try and perhaps help him understand the way a few things play here differently but on the other hand i don't think um you can be a public speaker these days without this issue rising up because you will get asked and if you don't tick the right orthodoxies you're going to run into you're going to run into issues and it happened interesting when i was in scotland there was another you know large Pentecostal nation up there that brought another speaker in around the same time as franklin the franklin thing shadowed their thing but they had the same issue they got they got shut down by one of the large city councils there was a court case which they they again won Um, so i think this issue is going to continue to rise its head so i think we need we need courage we need confidence but we need wisdom As well. Let's not go picking fights where we don't we don't need to. Um, but if we've done everything right, we've done our best to be to be winsome and engaging and careful in what we say. If we still get the flak, then we also need to have the courage of our convictions.
0: Just lastly, then, I mean, isn't isn't there a way to dodge this entirely by saying, you know, the Billy Graham style crusade in a big tent in a stadium was quite successful in the 1950s, but this is a totally different kind of post-Christian environment. And wouldn't personal kind of friendship based evangelism be much more successful than, you know, roll up, roll up, see the big American preacher on a stage. And Mm. you wouldn't have any issues around cancel culture and battling through the courts and trying to
3: persuade Sheffield city council to let you, let you hold your event. I think there's, there's, there's definitely an argument there. My, I suppose my, 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 my pushback, just because this is pushbacks make great podcasts, right. If I just, then we just agree with each other all the time. It's interesting, right. That how, Others who hold other worldviews don't feel this. So Ricky Gervais, right? You know, loudmouth atheist, Ricky feels no problem standing up there and telling you what he thinks about the world. Um, many of our Muslim friends have no problem standing up there while they telling you what they think about the world. The only danger is if Christians vacate the public space, we don't just do friendship evangelism, we won't do anything public my question is, is there an impact for the gospel there? that people conclude, okay, well, the Muslims are willing to talk about their belief and the Buddhists are willing to talk about their belief. Dalai Lama has no trouble standing up telling you what he thinks and Ricky and, you know, and everyone have no problem telling you what they think, but it's only Christians who feel that they don't have anything to say in the public square. Does that have an impact for the gospel? And I sort of wonder, I wonder if it does. And therefore I think that maybe the question is, are there ways of doing those things such that you minimize the chance that some of what, say, Franklin's run into. So, case in point, you know, at Solas we don't do the big rally events, but we do we do public events. You know, two, three hundred people in event you would be our kind of sweet spots. And what we found is, you know, the kind of approach we'll take at Solas is we'll never take one of those topics head on. I will never stand up and do a cafe event where the topic of the night is, you know, gay marriage or whatever. But if it comes up in the Q and A, and then we have a lot of Q and A at our events, then I also know when I'm going to have to have the courage and the wisdom to try and tackle this in a winsome way and there are ways of doing that I think there are ways of doing that realizing that you will not have everyone agree with you but you can still try and be a bit more a bit more winsome so I think maybe there's a middle ground here I realize that sounds dreadfully Anglican for all the what I said earlier there's a middle way maybe that middle way is going yeah um, we don't shy away from the public square but we pick our battles well or we engage carefully and the thing with with franklin now you you obviously before this interview you sent me some stuff you'd written and stuff that premier's done i did some digging around i couldn't find the answer i'd love to know he's done a couple of events so far on this uk tour at the point we record this i'd love to know what audience he got because i personally think the only way to find out if there's a market for this is to see is to test the water and see and see what happens and say i said earlier you know in toronto loads of the ethnic churches got on board i'd love to see you know is he finding an audience is it who's coming um this this kind of thing you're absolutely right i think if i um you know if i asked my my next door neighbor to go to a stadium event in here franklin they probably wouldn't come but maybe there are people who maybe there are people who will but i do know people will come to other events i do know people that there's a huge openness to sort of smaller stuff and uh you know it's been a privilege in this last month to be part of you know university events So campuses up and down the country, and students would say getting their their friends to events on campus isn't difficult. Um, But are the big rallies gone? I don't know. I I think the jury's out personally on that. But um, watch this space, let's see. Let's see how the rest of Franklin's tour goes and find out.
0: That's all we've got time for on this week's newscast, but don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in whatever app you use to make sure every episode is automatically available for you when it's released. If you've enjoyed it, we'd really appreciate it if you could review Premier Christian Newscast on your app and tell your friends about us. We're a new podcast and so we'd love to get the word out as much as possible. Thanks for listening and see you next time.
2: Premier Christian
3: Newscast